Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I cover all things food, from cooking to gardening to fabulous ingredients to junk food, health, sustainability, even policy. You might say I'm obsessed with everything about food. Food is the one substance that connects everything to everything else, and it connects us all. Not only can we not live without it, not only does it determine much of what goes on in the world, but we love it. Well, hi there, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to season two of Food with Mark Bittman. That is food with me. Season one was fun. We took a little bit of a break, not much, and we have so many cool guests coming up in the next few weeks. I think I'm really excited, and I think you will be too when you're here. I'm going to run through a bit of this list right now. Um, today we have Jose Andres, which I'm really excited about. We have coming up Rhiannon Giddens and Francesco Teresi, the musicians. We'll talk mostly about food, but um, I'm really excited to have them because love their music. We have uh, Francis Lappe celebrating the 50th 
anniversary of the publishing of the all-important Diet for a Small Planet. We have Stanley Tucci. We have David Sedaris. We have uh, the folks from Gastro Obscura, the wonderful website and now book. We have Brian Terry. We have Mayuk Sen. We have Laurie David and Heather Reisman talking about their fantastic new book, Imagine It. We have Congresswoman Shelley Pingree. We have me and Carrie Conan talking about our new book, uh, Bitman Bread, which is coming out November 9th, I believe. We have Navina Khanna, the leader of HEAL, one of the most important organizations working in the food space. Natalie Bazile, some folks from Sesame Street. Ethan Brown, the founder of Beyond Meat and others. We're going to try to squeeze so much in in the next few weeks that I think your minds will be blown. We'll be doing recipes as usual, and we are moving to a live Q&A format. So if you want to speak with us, call our podcast hotline, 833-FOOD-POD. That's 833-366-3763. And we will set up a time to chat with you uh, via Zoom, and we'll record that. All that and more on Food with Mark Bittman. Welcome back. I have a lot of Jose Andres recipes in my files because we've known each other for more than 20 years and um, we've cooked together quite a few times. But many of them are complicated. Jose began as a guy who was doing complicated modern food, or a lot of it was that. One of my favorite dishes that he's done of all time is uh, a dish he calls Santorini lentils, which are yellow split peas. Recipes originally from Zaitinia, his Greek Middle Eastern restaurant in D.C. Um, this is a, a really, really good, simple um, split pea dish. You can use what are called Santorini favas. You can use any split fava beans, you can use yellow split peas, yellow dal, you can use green split peas, anything like that. So start with, a, say, a three-quart pot and uh, put a tablespoon or two of olive oil in there and cook some chopped onion, a quarter cup, half a cup or so of chopped onion until it softens and begins to turn brown. That'll take, what, seven, ten minutes. And then uh, add some bay leaf, a couple of bay leaves, some sprigs of thyme, and uh, some black peppercorns. You can put the black peppercorns and the thyme and bay leaf in a cheesecloth if you want to fish them out later, but I don't bother to do that. Then add um, a chopped carrot uh, and a pound of your split lentils, uh, your split favas or your uh, split yellow peas or split green peas, whatever you like here. And add water to cover by a couple of inches. Uh, bring that to a boil and cook until most of the water is absorbed, which is going to be about 30 minutes. Uh, adjust the heat so that it, it doesn't dry out. Um, when the lentils are nearly soft, turn the heat down to a bare minimum. Cover, cook for another 10 or 15 minutes or so until the beans or peas are, are really tender, and then turn off the heat. If they're not tender, add a little more water and cook for a while longer. Then let that cool off a little bit. Drain the lentils if the mixture is very wet and then mash them or semi-puree them. You can use an immersion blender. You could use a potato masher. You could use a real blender that is a stand-up blender. 
you could use a food processor. You want to serve rough puree. And then season to taste with salt and, and more pepper. You can make this well in advance. If you want to warm it and serve it warmer at room temperature, garnished with capers, some chopped shallots or chopped chives, good healthy drizzle of good olive oil, and a sprinkling of lemon juice. Uh, really, really great. You'll like that. I'm really proud to be a friend of Jose Andres. We've known each other for more than 20 years. I met Jose when he was a protege of Ferran Adria. Ferran, of course, was the chef behind El Bouilly, which for 15 years, maybe even longer, was considered the best restaurant in the world, about an hour north of Barcelona. And indeed, Ferran is a creative genius, and Jose had learned a lot from him, came to the States as a young man, uh, worked his way up through restaurants, opened a restaurant called Haleo in D.C., which is still there. Jose now owns quite a few restaurants, or his partner in quite a few restaurants, and the chef owner by name. But Jose has surpassed Ferran. He's done a wonderful job of bringing Mediterranean food to the States, but Jose's done more important work than than most chefs, and that's what makes me proud to be his friend and proud to know him. Uh, we're going to talk mostly about World Central Kitchen, which is the nonprofit that Jose founded that um, brings food to people in the wake of natural disasters. Does the work that FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, often does inadequately. If there's an earthquake, if there's a, a deadly hurricane, certainly during COVID, Jose's team and often Jose himself are all right there, providing tens of thousands and often more meals. He's won a zillion awards for not only his cooking, but his humanitarian work. And um, our conversation, I think, is a really interesting one. I'm happy to have him on the show. So good to see Hola. you. You look so great. It's really, it's a pleasure to see you. Uh, I lost a lot of weight, Mark. You look awesome too. And, and you know, I'm not going to lie to you, but people like you that for years you've been uh, you're talking about food as something good, but also talking as food that can be something healthy and great, and and one should not go against the other. This pandemic, I lost 78 pounds. Um, I, I still eat what I like. I still drink what I like. Uh, but, you know, much more conscious on on the quantities, on more sports, uh, and, and here I am, my friend. What are you doing for exercise? Uh, if I will go to a restaurant in South Spain, and the restaurant was one hour and 10 minutes away walking, I will leave my home one hour and 10 minutes before. I will not get on the car. And even often I will go back walking. So I know, I know this sounds like a stream, but obviously if, if you're taking a break and you're on vacation and you want to enjoy the food you love and at the same time you want to take care of yourself, is this kind of things we have all to do to make sure it happens. Cannot be that my own restaurants, my own food industry is the one that is making people obese and overweight and unhealthy. 
Uh, I think we all need to take personal responsibility. It's all to us. Me, I'm also a chef. I'm also a cook. I am in charge of feeding people. People put in me their faith and in so many others, uh, the way they eat. And for me, I have to understand how this thing works 360. Uh, and this, this year of COVID for me has been the realization of a lot of things. One of them is that my industry brings joy and gives great times to people and families coming to our restaurants, but also, uh, you know, our own restaurants with the portion size and everything in between, we can be part of the problem too. It's not about being, being, being overweight or not. It's about feeling good, period. And I feel great now. I'm wondering if you've changed the menus at all in any of the restaurants per your discoveries around or your, your increased realization around diet and eating and the role restaurants play and so on. But remember, I was always very proud that my restaurants did the small portions. And I was always very proud that I tried really to price the items in the menu at the right price. We, we are the brokers of our guests chefs, general managers, restaurant owners, we, we are the brokers of our guests when they come. We must give them the best possible experience. Also, I began realizing that sometimes when somebody comes that we want to show appreciation, we may not buy them the check, but we send extra food. I realized that this extra, extra food uh, was not making much sense anymore. We make the kitchen work more. We, we, we use more food that the people cannot barely eat. Yes, we look good. Look at how generous we are. We are generous, Humanity yes. is about generosity. And the way we have to express generosity is, let me give you more. <laughs> and I came to realize that this is wrong. In my case, when I go to a restaurant and people show love and appreciation, man, I can only be but thankful, but I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to make sure that that, that, that I leave the restaurant not feeling guilty. And they are the way that, that those people want to show me love. It's giving me more food. It's like a nightmare. Even things like these are making me, in this COVID-19, to rethink that this is not the way, that there's other ways to show respect, other ways to show appreciation. This way we don't work, make the kitchen work extra. We don't make the waiters work extra. Even for food, nobody's going to get uh, any extra money or tip or anything. To make the entire system work more, you spend food that is going to end in the garbage. If people don't take it, you're wasting food. At the end, even empathy and even goodwill can be a negative. So I'm trying to be more pragmatic and more conscious like I've always been. You've been the most pragmatic person I've ever known <laughs> on food issues. Uh, Mark, you've been a good a good teacher of many with your writings, your, your sarcastic way of seeing uh, life and food itself. And I just realized that life is always about evolution, about, about rethinking, about not taking things for granted or not being fixated that is this way or no way. Things change, things have an evolution, and we all have to, to go with that. Two or three things you said just now are so smart. I mean, life-wise, yes, second-guessing. Second-guessing is just reevaluating what you're doing and saying, can I do it better? That makes perfect sense. But, you know, I had not thought about, as you know, I know a lot of chefs, and I often would have the kind of experience I would have at 
at Haleo or or one of your restaurants. I'd have those at other places where people would start saying, oh, welcome. Here's a bunch of stuff extra. And it was in a way it got to the point where first you'd feel guilty. You weren't eating the food that your friend was sending out for you to eat. Or you'd force yourself to eat it, which means you drink more wine at the same time and you'd stumble out into the street. I mean, it's a funny problem to have, but um, I realized that I slowed down going to restaurants. I went to fewer and fewer restaurants because there was just too much food. It's super interesting because it does raise questions for you know restaurants in general, not just you. I mean, you're you're among the more advanced thinking and and clever uh chefs but still everybody's got to be grappling with this how do i adjust my menu uh, not only post covid but in the in an era where people are eating more consciously and thinking more about food waste and thinking more about what they put in their bodies and so on what does that mean for restaurants which were until very recently places where the, the primary word was sort of abundance you wanted to like talk about quantity. You wanted to say, we are going to treat you really well with the, not only the highest level of ingredients, but lots of them and lots and lots of food. And now it's sort of like, how can we treat you right and impress you without killing you with kindness or, or something? And, and obviously, uh, this, uh, anybody that wants to use what I'm saying right now can take it in the wrong way. Say, no, now, now Jose Andres or chefs, they, they want to be doctors to an well uh, to a degree we are we all are uh, when we're trying to talk about how to build a better community a better society how to make sure that we don't have um, obese people in one side and hungry people in the other <laughs> that we don't degrade everything around us even in our own communities and in, unconsciously or consciously with what we put on the plate that uh, we make people overwork and underpay because we have to take care of so many things that at the end, the only way to take care of is let's add more people to the payroll. So because we need to have more people instead of being smarter in how we do things. So we have more people, but we pay them less. So therefore we can be in business. It's all these kind of things that even those lists of cheap eats that some magazines and newspapers have in America and around the world, um, I understand they're good. When I was younger, I appreciate those lists. But sometimes, even that moment, uh, uh, if you are paying too little for something, it's somebody losing. Somebody or something is being lost in the chain. Uh, the farmer is not getting paid his first share, or the cook is not getting paid, or the guy delivering the food is not getting paid. Something happens. So you like your quinoa? It's great. You are not supposed to know about everything, but you want to. But all of a sudden, because you're quinoa, somebody in Peru, then 15, 20 years ago, when the quinoa craze began, all of a sudden, they cannot feed their families because you love for quinoa and because you pay more. Therefore, they cannot afford it. It's fascinating. Those are the unintended consequences that we might not feel guilt for them. But it's good that we have people that makes us smarter, makes us understand the 360 of every situation. Therefore, our actions can have positive, real achievements in real time, not 20, 30 years from now. When you look at a plate, when you go to the supermarket to buy an ingredient, whatever it is, it's not just the food. It's the labor. It's the farmer. It's the environment. It's all of that. And, I'm, you know, I, there are ways we can do 
we can make things better right now, but the long-term solution is really more democracy. And that that's a, a multi-generational project. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. Less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. 
Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Let's talk about World Central Kitchen before we stray too far, because, I mean, pretty interesting. You had a small restaurant, Empire. Empire is an exaggeration, I suppose, but, a, a you know, a, a nice restaurant chain. You had a lot of respect. I love you. Many other people do. The food's great. You're doing well. Da, 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 da. Here, all of a sudden, out of the blue, it seems to most people, some number of years ago, you'll tell us what, you go off and start feeding the world for free. Tell us that story and tell us what's, bring us up to date on that. Well, it's not, it's not for free because we have thousands of, of Americans and people around the world that, that they do a big effort supporting us. Well, Central Kitchen, uh, I think the seeds that were planted in me happened through my lifetime. Uh, random moments of learning that shape who we are. My mom and my dad were those people in my life. They were nurses. I saw empathy in hospitals and kindness since I was very little. My mom and my dad, they had two shifts. My father worked at nine, my mother in the morning where I had the visitor. Uh, so the, the hospital was the exchange grounds uh, between father and mother of, uh, who, to give my brothers and I one to each other. Uh, I saw empathy there in the form of nurses and doctors always going the extra mile to read a book to a child waiting for their family to arrive or walking uh, with an elderly woman that requires some 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 movement for her uh, improvement. Uh, things like that that sometimes happen beyond their duty. And I knew that. Uh, my father uh, loved to cook my mom too. My mom would make things out of nothing. The refrigerator in my house very much will be like a Best Buy commercial at the end of the month. You'll open it and it'll be so clean and so empty. Um, but it's not like we didn't have money. It's just the way it was. My mom, we like to get to 
to use everything until the next paycheck came. That was kind of what happened. Croquetas show up. Bechamel. When was no milk, <laughs> she'll use, or if she had some chicken stuff left, or even water. Uh, she will add the half egg, halfway dry, that she will chop. And the one slice, always was one slice left in the refrigerator of ham, and she'll chop it. And she'll make these amazing croquetas with the breadcrumbs of the old bread of the weeks before that she will grind sometimes in the coffee grinder, because we only have one. And she used the coffee grinder and the breadcrumbs grinder, same machine. I didn't grow up seeing big inequality. I didn't grow up watching hunger in the streets. I didn't. First time I saw that was when I went to Africa and Abidjan and South America and Caribbean. I was in the Spanish Navy, opened my eyes to the world. First time I left Europe. And it's where I began seeing inequality, Dominican Republic, all the places. This is what began putting in me like, wow, look at this. But then I met Robert Ecker. I moved from Cheryl's strength to DC Central Kitchen. I arrived there cooking next to ex-convicts and, uh, and, and, and homeless. Robert Ecker saw waste. He always said that everybody talks about food waste. Can we stop talking about food waste and stop start talking about we are wasting people's lives? Actually, good line. Not wasting food was the underline to make sure we didn't waste the lives of anybody. That food came to the kitchen. Those men and women learned a profession. We transformed that food into meals to go to the homeless population in DC. Ten thousand meals. I grew up within that organization in different positions over the years. I'm still part of it in in many ways. With all of that in mind uh, is when I saw Katrina. I saw September 11, and we saw how many chefs, uh, hot dog owners, hot dog carts, began feeding anybody that was in need of food. But we saw Katrina too. And we saw Katrina how we let many Americans suffer during days and weeks and even to this day. We saw the Superdome, an arena. Everybody thinks an arena stadium is a place you go to watch sports. Wrong people, wrong. An arena is, is a gigantic restaurant that entertains with the sports. My inaction in Katrina, watching what was happening. I was younger, it's not like I, I could live in the, in the moment. Uh, but when I was in Haiti, uh, when I was in Cayman Islands on 2010, when Haiti earthquake happened in Port-au-Prince, hundreds of thousands of people died. Total destruction and chaos, like we've never seen uh, in modern times. Um, that moment I was with uh, Eric Rippert and Anthony Bourdain. And in that moment, watching um, the beautiful Caribbean Sea having a piña colada, watching those images, I told myself, as soon as I can, I'm going there, not to help, but to learn. My learning began, World Central Kitchen was founded, and we began doing operations in Haiti, where I went many times in the first few years. In the process, I learned how cooks like me, how food people like you and I, we feed the few, well, the souls, well, their bodies. But if the entire food community comes together, Imagine what we can do when we come together in the hard moments. World Central Kitchen was great on that promise. So World Central Kitchen, I hope, 
is going to be here to be doing what we've been learning to do. Show up before if we can or right after an emergency and don't wait, don't plan, adapt, start cooking and start feeding. The urgency of now when it's about food and water is yesterday. We're trying to be next to the, the people immediately right after something happened is the least we can do. A plate of food becomes hope. I want to get a sense of the scope of things. How many emergencies have you been responding to per year in the last few years? And, and how many people do you think you've been serving, feeding? Well, I, I am, I, I'm very, myself, I'm very bad on data. That's yeah, I know, Nate, but you have a Nate sense. Mulk. I know, but, but just to give you a sense, <laughs> no, like the first time, obviously, even we've been doing this for a long time. I think Maria is when we put this into the forefront of the American people. Uh, uh, I was coming from Houston after Irma hit hard all the Houston area and communities. And I remember spending there almost 11, 12 days uh, cooking in different places and setting different kitchens. And we were doing tens of thousands of meals. Um, but Maria is the, pl the, pl the place we almost did 4 million meals in one operation, wow. almost 120, 150,000 meals a day, 26 kitchens. We went from 10 friends the first day, many of them, some of the best cooks in San Juan and amazing food truck owners, 10 friends to 25,000 volunteers. We went from one restaurant to 26 restaurants. We went from 1,000 meals a day the first day to more than 120,000 meals a day. Uh, we were doing distributions in 175, 210, depends the day, places a day. So now we began growing and growing. For you to give you an example, when Dorian happened and hit Bahamas, 80,000 people, 15% of the country, were damaged by the, the, the explosion of that hurricane. Uh, within days, Wilson Kitchen was doing 80,000 meals a day across 14 islands, six helicopters, two seaplanes. Um, we did um, a little bit more than 3 million meals. In, 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 in a country that has less than 400,000, 450,000. Uh, keep going, Beirut, when the explosion destroyed that city, uh, we were there in 12 hours doing almost 20,000 meals a day with the help of 10 of the most talented, amazing Lebanese people that many are some of the most caring, loving, and best chefs. Uh, I, I'm amazed we can do it so quickly. Uh, Providence, so in this pandemic, uh, I think we are in the north of 50, 60 million plus million meals. Uh, um, we did those meals specifically when everything was dark. Remember in the early days in March, April, May, many uh, hospitals were having cooks not showing up. Public transportation was stopping in some places. Uh, uh, people were getting sick and couldn't go work. What's in the drug kitchen? We had a lot of operation, uh, a lot of experience in cholera, in Mozambique, in Haiti, myself, I've been in those situations. By March, even this came from February, we were able to develop the first health code in how to behave in the kitchen. In the moment that I knew I was putting people in danger by sending them to operations during COVID. Uh, Mark, remember that we had people at World Central Kitchen in Japan, in, in, in Yokohama, with the help of chefs like Nobu and his teams and many others that we began feeding the first cruise ship that was known with COVID cases on board. We began feeding them. There my worry was how we keep my team healthy in a moment that this COVID looked like very bad. 
we follow with Oakland when Governor Newsom called us and we were in Oakland waiting for the cruise ship to arrive. We never stopped signing them. The health protocols we created in early February and we began sharing with many, like other restaurants, I think it was Black Sheep in China and Hong Kong share also theirs. It's where I'm the proudest. In the process, we kept vast quantities of our teams conscious of wearing masks, of wearing gloves, of keeping distance. We ran a very safe organization. We put 3,000 restaurants up and working. At one moment, reaching over 300,000 meals a day, adapting every day from hospitals in the Javits Center or in Central Park to Oakland, to San Antonio, to Newark, to Bronx. I'm very proud that even within the emergency, the men and women of Wall Central Kitchen, they've been able to react. When the fires hit California and Colorado, we uh, were there. Right now, we are in, um, in Palestine uh, uh, with uh, feeding people uh, in Gaza uh, uh, and, um, uh, and the West Bank. Um, that's what we do. We believe in shorter walls, but longer tables. We're trying to create longer tables everywhere we go. Something you and I talked about a while ago, but we haven't talked about it for a while, is what's the what's the proper role or what would be a better role of government in all of this? Since what World Central Kitchen does is arguably something that we could or should, depending on your point of view, be relying on either the UN or local governments to be doing? The men and women that work within government, uh, government agencies or in international development agencies like the World Food Program within the, uh, the UN or in America, um, the USAID, which does a lot of, uh, represents America in, in, in big uh, catastrophic events overseas, uh, or FEMA in the United States, we can all do better. I think the people working in those organizations, they know it. Sometimes organizations grow too big. They lose the capacity to react quick and fast. I know that sometimes I may sound like a smart ass when I tell them, we can do better, we can do faster, and everybody, yeah, yeah, Jose, but this is a very big catastrophic event, come on. But I think food and water is something everybody understands. But let me tell you what happens in an emergency. You know the people that are really, really, really always suffering? the poorest people in the poorest part of town that happens usually are the ones that flood and usually are the ones that the homes are not so well built and are the ones those are the people that suffer the most if they suffer the most and they live in poorer areas you could argue that what they make per year or per month or per week is only so much money when you have people that already have food insecurity do you think anybody has enough money to have for one or two weeks of food and water for their entire family? No. And quicker we respond, quicker people feel okay and hopeful, but quicker the reconstruction starts. I want quicker because we must be ready for the next hurricane season or the next flooding season. And we must rebuild better, smarter. Governments, big NGOs, they have a tendency to plan. So if you only build success in following the plan and nothing goes to plan and your teams don't learn how to adapt and embrace complexity, they will always be a failure. So my call is going to be on behalf of everybody trying to make FEMA better, trying to make bigger organizations better, 
and trying to make sure, hold on, that we are not perfect, that we keep learning so we can always have the quickest and fastest response, no matter the situation. I'm so proud to know you. I'm so happy that we've become friends over the years. And yeah, you're just, you're doing such great work. You've become a hero. It's fabulous. We began talking at the beginning, right, about how everything is 360. Now I don't want anybody to feel guilty. It's okay one day you overeat. It's okay you one day you overdrink. It's okay you do whatever you want, okay? Be free and be good and celebrate life. Put it away. But we must all do it more pragmatically. We, without excesses in the, in the too much or in the too little. Just be natural. Be you. But just think about it. Chefs like me, food writers like you, many others, we've all talked with romanticism about the people, many of them women, around the world that cook in the streets. We've made street cooking almost something like this. If you really love food and you are a foodie, you love street cooking. And you know the best places in every city, and sometimes they are in the poor neighborhoods. But I want everybody used to think, when you go to one of those men and women that are in the street, some of them are successes. And they work in good environments and very clean. But many of them, look around where they work. Look around how they live. Look around. All of the sudden, you realize if you really go deep, that there's no so much romanticism. That those people are living a hard life. That they are working longer hours they have to because maybe they have to move their entire restaurant on the street in and out every day. That they put hours and hours just for you and I to be able to go and do an Instagram and say, look at the amazing ball I got today. Even those situations, we don't realize because Maybe we don't have to be asking ourselves about everything every single time. But behind every plate of food is a story. All together, we must make sure that all the stories behind every plate of food are good stories. And where the people behind those foods, not only from the woman that cooks that bowl, all the way to the people that provide us with the ingredients from the goodness of the earth. We must be pragmatic in understanding that everybody in that chain is taken care of. I don't think that's much to ask. It's okay to keep thinking about food and romanticism. I am the most romantic guy when I think about food. I can explain to you how a peach smells or the silky peppers that my mom will roast and peel with her hands when I was very young and I will watch her in awe. It's okay to love food and express ourselves this way. But also must be the new rule of the land that food people of the world, we look at the plate of food with another eye, from another angle. And even maybe street food, still we need to enjoy it. But if we can give that person a place that can own a food truck, or maybe it will be better. It should be that we love the profession we love, the eating and the foods and the dishes that makes us who we are. But we must make sure that the people that make it happen are also enjoying that moment in the same way uh, you and I do it. So that's just food for thought, my friend. 
Well, it's important to think you could love the food, but you have to love the people who produce it and the earth that produces it too. So, yeah. Thank you, my friend. I love you. It was great to see you and so much fun to talk. You're looking good. See you in DC. Bye. <laughs> Hope so. This is a kind of late summer, early fall sangria that Jose taught me um, again about 20 years ago. And um, he has a white sangria recipe, but I thought seasonally this one is a little more appropriate and I really like it a lot. So, um, you know, like most drink recipes, it's pretty straightforward, but there's a lot of stuff. You just need to combine all of these things in a pitcher. Ready? You're going to want to write this down. About two cups of red wine, and we're not talking about rot gut here. We're talking about something decent. Doesn't have to be the best wine you have, but something good. Two cups of red wine, about a cup of cut up fruit, but fall fruit, oranges and apples, pears like that. Maybe some more chopped up for garnish. Um, a shot of vodka, you can use more. A shot of brandy or Grand Marnier, again, you can use more. A bit of fresh orange juice, let's say... Uh, an orange is, a navel orange is worth a shot, again, a shot of fresh orange juice, a little bit of lime juice, a teaspoon of sugar, um, or you can use more when you taste this, and a cinnamon stick. Put all that stuff in a pitcher, stir it, refrigerate it for a couple of hours, and then add ice to fill that pitcher, and um, you can add a splash of Sprite or 7-Up or seltzer or tonic water if you want. Uh, more sugar or more spirits to taste and serve that uh, garnished with a bit of additional cut-up fruit. That is a good fruity sangria. And those of you who are fans of red sangria, I'm sure will like it a lot. We will be moving to live Q&A. So um, the pressure is on you, Ben, to tell me. What's your burning question about food or cooking? Mark, we just welcomed our, our third kid, 11-week-old uh, baby Zoe. So we got three at home. And, uh, you know, going through the daily grind now of, of work and uh, three kids and uh, pandemic and what have you, um, and, and like you, I enjoy cooking, have always enjoyed cooking, uh, but admittedly, this has become a little bit more difficult mm. um, as I try to have my kids eat what we eat. I know that you did the same uh, when your kids were growing up, uh, but whenever I try to do something off the beaten path, it's ew, it's yuck, it's gross, it's whining, and... Um, you know, it's tough. You, you, you spend a lot of time on something and and you get beaten down by your little kids. I, I'm sure you get the question all the time about what do you feed kids? But I want to ask it a little bit differently, which is I, I knew you grew to love cooking when you had little kids. And I guess my question is how? Well, I think I grew to love cooking before, but I think I was uh, I wasn't uncompromising. 
But I think I did say I'm cooking grown-up food and I expect people to eat it. And I did um I did allow myself to I you know, my kids will still tell the story about how they ate squid every night for a month or whatever, but and it's an exaggeration, but I did allow myself to or not allow myself. I cooked the food that I wanted to be cooking. And I was cooking was cooking a lot of fish in those days and a lot of odd cuts of meat. I had assignments where people were saying, go find cheap cuts of meat that taste really good and write about it, or go write about how to make healthier sandwiches or whatever. And I did that stuff. And I guess I I guess there was always yogurt in the refrigerator. In those days we considered yogurt health food. I mean, it still could be if it didn't have eight tablespoons of sugar in each cup, but, um, and there was always sort of peanut butter and stuff like that. And it was like, by the time they were four, I think the, the attitude was, here's what dinner is. If you don't like it, you're welcome to make yourself something else. Maybe we were more liberal than that. I mean, maybe we would say we'll make you some noodles or something, but I think for the most part, it was like, here's supper. This is it. I'm, because, and I don't think it was, I didn't particularly care whether the kids learned to eat grown-up food or not. I was just unwilling to eat kid food. So, or cook twice. So, I mean, how many options do you really have? You cook a separate meal for the kid or you have macaroni and cheese every night for two years <laughs> they can mix some peas in and add a little bit to it <laughs> um i mean i don't I'm obviously a baby is a different you know sure. you're not gonna you're not gonna feed pasta a la matrachana to a 11 week old were your kids when you when they were young were they ruthless critics like mine are of your cooking I mean, not just my kids. I, look, I was learning. I'm talking about the 80s mostly here. I guess the 80s and the 90s. I'd say from those 15 or whatever years, I was really learning how to cook. But I was cooking with uh, all kinds of different people, from chefs to you know grandmas. I was cooking with those kind of people almost all the time. And I would come home excited and say, you know, I want to make this Korean tofu stew I just learned, or I, or I, you know, I want to make this uh, whatever these Thai shrimp sticks, or or fresh tortillas with tongue, or you know what, whatever it was, I wanted to do it. And sometimes they were big hits, and sometimes they were like, "What are you? What are you even thinking? Putting this stuff on the table?" So. My kids have broad and deep knowledge of food and extremely uh, uh, adventurous palates. And I think that that's the upside. The upside is if you feed them grown-up food, then they grow up to eat everything, which is kind of what adults should do, I think. Well... My kids are ruthless. I guess I've been blaming it on them being kids, but maybe I'm just a bad cook. <laughs> Let's hear what you're trying to feed them. We don't have much time in the day, right? So we don't do adventure recipes that are um, all that adventurous. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, we have, we live in Burlington, Vermont. We're surrounded by 
farmers markets and co-ops with fresh local regional produce and meat and so uh we're trying to make sure they're getting their vegetables and getting their fruits and getting their proteins um but like you mentioned if it's not mac and cheese regardless of what the recipe is the uh the, the critiques are 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 rough and have you made mac and cheese with like real parmesan and oh yeah they love that so yeah and that, that's where i get my fix right is when i'm not just opening up the uh, sort of boxed mac and cheese but instead i'm making my roux with milk and flour and adding in the pasta and using real parmesan and Vermont cheddar, uh, throwing some vegetables in, but can't do it every night. And, right. uh, and, and I get my, I get my cooking fix by spending time on recipes like that. You know what I would, I think I would sort of concentrate on variations of other grains besides pasta and see if you could move them in the kind of, I'm talking off the top of my head, but I think if you made a bowl of white rice and did franks and beans on top of that, seriously and even allowed the beans to be Heinz baked beans or whatever beans with sugar in them is what I'm saying and then gradually move that toward brown rice with home-cooked pinto beans with like good ham and no sugar and a couple of vegetables if that if that uh, transformation could take place over a period of three or six months. I, I think I would consider that a great success. You know, the packaged versions of these things are always like based on real dishes. And and if you could sort of say to them, look, here's some junk food for you. Like here's Franks and beans with, with right, white rice, or even start with Franks and beans and French fries. And then move the white rice in and then change the rice to brown rice and change the franks to some kind of more legitimate meat and change the beans to something that you're cooking yourself and make that a kind of project and think of three or four dishes that you can do that with. Just give, find the stir fry that they'll eat, like the lowest common denominator stir fry, maybe one that's heavy in meat and has a lot of uh, hoisin sauce in it or even ketchup or whatever. And then gradually move that towards like something that's made with better ingredients. Well, I'll give it a shot. The complaints are coming in your fan mail though. <laughs> well, um, we could check in and th if you give it a legitimate shot, let's check in in three months and see, see how it's going. All right. All right. Um, I've, well, I've, I've, I had one more question for you, Mark, which is, you know, you're now one of the world's most famous vegans. No, I'm a partial vegan. I'm not a vegan. I'm a vegan before six. So I'm the I'm one well, of the world's most famous part-time vegans. You're certainly the world's most famous vegan before six o'clock. <laughs> uh, if you could do it all over again, would you have your kids follow the same model? Would you do more uh, of that when they were young? You know, I think that to the extent that you can convince your kids and yourselves, obviously, that rice and beans and vegetables and fruits are sort of the the real staples and everything else is is add-ons i think you're doing a great job i mean I'm, but it's a lot of pressure to put on parents i you know i think that the first 
the first job of parents, I think, is to try to get to get the, get their kids to eat real foods, to to eliminate sweetened breakfast cereals and lunchables and and you know overly sugared yogurts and other f sort of prepared foods that just you know are crap. And I think it, the first job is to try to eliminate that stuff. And if by eliminating that stuff, you're eating meat, but it's real meat. I kind of think that's okay. I mean, David Katz, who I, I co-wrote a book with, um, who's really smart, always says the question is, instead of what? So if you say to somebody, um, can I have an egg? If somebody says to you, can I have an egg for breakfast? Is it good to have an egg for breakfast? David would say, if you're having an egg instead of a donut, the answer is yes. And But if you're having an egg instead of oatmeal with walnuts and raspberries, the answer is no. And you know, I think if you look at a lot of things in that, ask yourself that question. If the kid says, can I have a strawberry yogurt for dinner? And the, and the alternative is whatever you're making, you know, I think they should be encouraged to be eating what you're making. Thanks, Mark. If you want to speak with us, call our, our podcast hotline, 833-FOOD-POD. That's 833-366. 3763, and we will set up a time to chat with you uh, via Zoom, and we'll record that. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank the wonderful, heroic world saver, Jose Andres, for coming on. Follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Chef Jose Andres. And be sure to follow World Central Kitchen, too at WC Kitchen on Twitter and Instagram and at World Central Kitchen on Facebook. And just a little plug, be sure to visit pitmanproject.com, sign up for our newsletter, download this podcast and subscribe to it, please. Check out Animal Vegetable Junk, How to Cook Everything, and all of my other books. Thank you again. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.